Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nix, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, I talk to Jem A.E. Jem is a fintech leader with a career spanning over a decade, helping families save with ventures like Kids Start and most recently, the Beanstalk app. Jem is dedicated to dragging children's savings, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Let's hear it from Jem. We're thrilled to have you here today, uh, Jem. Really, really, really appreciate your time. Uh, you're known as a bit of an expert, or well, a bit of an expert, an expert in financial services and helping families save for their children. And uh, the the lovely quote that I saw was, bringing children's savings, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Um, but I'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience and a little bit about your journey on focusing family finances. So I've been working in the space of helping families save for their kids for about the last 15 years. Uh, before that, I was in consumer finance. Um, uh, so kind of always been in, in um, financial services. Um, I guess the, you know, how do we end up in, in, in this little world of children's savings accounts? It's Partly because being a father of three and uh, started off quite young, actually, so my eldest is 23. So you kind of, you know, realize that it's kind of difficult for parents to save money for their kids. But the everyone's kind of motivated to do it. You kind of realize that it's, it's something that we need to do. If we benefit it from yourselves, you realize how important it is. But it's also not easy to do that. And the products out there, despite seeing lots of innovation going on in other areas of financial services, in children's savings, it's been really forgotten and left behind and saw an opportunity to do something there with uh, Beanstalk, which is our junior ISO app, and we've been having lots of fun putting that. It does feel like at times kind of pulling teeth and pulling hair out, um, but it's 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 rewarding as well at the same time, especially when we see, um, especially when we get feedback from customers. What was sort of your first experience uh, and memory with, with money? Both my parents worked in, um, uh, in my, my mom was a stockbroker, my father was a commodities trader. My first experience uh, was sitting on the kitchen table on a sunny day, maybe four or five years old, and we just have the big FT and look at the look at the look at the prices at the back and learning about prices and price to equities and kind of companies and stocks and sectors and kind of thinking this is interesting. You know, it's, it just looks like a whole massive, really small font on the back of the back of the newspaper, but it's actually interesting stuff. And I think making Having 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 it thought of almost as a uh, as as a game and as a puzzle for a kid is kind of really interesting. And there's lots of, um, kind of firms out there now, kind of doing, kind of make money an interesting and fun topic for children because um, none of that's happening in schools, by the way. Uh, it's completely being not taught about financial and financial education. So I think it's a for me the first experience was. Oh, this is interesting. It's not just in a, a, a massive numbers on the table. There's actually interesting things going on here. And any any company trying to make money real for kids, if it's saving, investing, budgeting, and all the pocket money stuff, it's what we're trying to do with helping parents invest in those for the kids. If anyone trying to make that easier for the parents, at the same time, trying to make it so that kids can kind of be armed with some of this knowledge when they turn into adults, I, I think there's a need for that. And that's, that's quite obvious with what, with what we see as well. I completely agree, especially when I was at school, financial education was not even really talked about at all. It's 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 almost like a blind spot in that sense. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and yet it could be such a great 
jumping off point for for, for maths fractions percentages compound growth yeah it's it's actually yeah you know, it's one of the ways most kids probably would sit in a maths lesson and think why is this relevant to me at all <laughs> but you kind of start making it real with with you know hey let's talk about you know what could happen with with interest rates hey, aprs what can happen when you when you want to start budgeting it, it's a really i think i don't know uh, i was never taught it i don't know what the plans are to I know there's petitions going on now to make financial education compulsory in schools, all for all that. Um, but I do think it's 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 needed, and I think the kids and the parents would 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 welcome that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would, be, it would make a ch- nice change from like this the ridiculous stuff of like if Jim gives Amy an apple, how many oranges does he have left, kind of thing. Going from there, I'd love for you to describe a little bit more about what you do at Beanstalk. So, uh, who are the customers that you typically have, and how do they find you? And what is it that they say about you? Uh, Beanstalk's an app-based junior ISA. Um, we have an adult ISA as well. Um, it's just the, the whole kind of idea behind it is is to make it really easy for parents to open an account and top it up in lots of different ways. One one of the, um, I guess, the, the, the junior ISA's it's got a couple of interesting features about it. One is it's in the child's name. So you know, we could all kid ourselves thinking, yeah, I'm saving for my kids. You know, I've got all that money in, in my in my current account. Yeah, you're not. You know that that's going to get dipped into. <laughs> so the nice thing about a junior ice is it's for the child, and it's a one way pot. You know, you can't make the draws into it. You can't dip into it, and it turns into an ice for the child when they're 18, and then they can take it over. So you've got you know you've got this depending on how old the kid is when you're the account. You've got potentially 18 years to contribute and benefit from any growth that's going to happen on the account. The problem that we saw when um, looking at the products that were out there is, uh, especially on the investment side on the stocks and shares, which is kind of what you want to do if you've got that long time horizon, you know, but, but it, you know, locking money up for 18 years in a cash product, probably not the least sensible thing to do. But it's the, it's the most common thing that people do when they do open GISs is put it into a cash book. And part of the reasons for that is yeah. they're easier to open there's less commitment, you know. The the investment products, you know, often require a large one-off contribution to open the account or a large regular monthly contribution, which yeah, most parents can look at and say, do I do I really want to, you know, do I feel comfortable committing to that for the next eighteen years? And it's difficult. So we thought there's a great opportunity to do a product that's flexible. You can set a regular contribution, on, change it, you can stop it, and give them lots of easy ways to save little and often. So we. We build it so that they can invite grandparents, aunts, uncles. They can be linked to the app. They'll see your children. They can send gifts. They can send top ups. They can send messages, gift links that you might want to share with um, uh, at special occasions. We've done an open banking integration, uh, so you can kind of link it to your regular spending card, see your you know, see your transaction shop, and round up and have the spare change invested. A lot like what 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 um, Moneybox has done with um, with their proposition. Um, cash back from retailers, so kind of people shopping online, kind of get a couple of percent back. It all adds up, and kind of all these the whole the whole idea is look little often, make it easy, make it flexible, um, a simple fun choice, um, uh, and really and a good value product. So, so because that that's that's the idea behind it. If you make it simple for ads to do, uh, more than will will do it. That's brilliant. I, when, I, when I was reading into this earlier, I really loved the the feature that you talked about there of the extended family being able to get in or not with like uncles and aunties and stuff like that. Because not only does that add like a little bit more of a camaraderie to it, it also helps hold them accountable in terms of like keeping the savings pot alive, keeping it growing. And uh, the idea of giving gifts is really, really cool. Parents who've invited 
uh, donors to contribute into the kids' beanstalk account, on average, you've saved 70% more than parents who've had them. And often it's the grandparents who might have a little bit more disposable income to put, you know, to kind of put into the child's account. Um, uh, it is about taking the pressure off just the parent a little bit and thinking, gosh, what's my 10, 20, 30 pound a month? It's just a drip in the ocean. It's very easy to kind of fall into a negative trap and think that's not going to touch the sides of what my kid needs in the eternity. Wrong. You've got 18 years, it builds up, growth compounds. But also, as you say, making it a you know making it a bit of a sharing sharing the the, the, the challenge with amongst family helps. And then going from there, what do you observe from how traditional banks and financial institutions treat family and children's banking propositions? So we've spoken to to, to banks. We, we we know the children's area space quite well. Traditional banks don't really think of customers as family units at all. Um, uh, we, we were we were speaking to one just recently, and um, the comment was, "We don't even know who is a parent in our customer base." Um, they, 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 you know, so typically they'll be thinking of you know, Josh and his account, Josh and his current current account, or Josh and his savings account, or Josh and his. So you and a product, user ID and a product ID and a one to one, and there's very limited um, sight over who you are, who your relationships to other people are. And you know what are the what are the problems that you face as an individual, or as a couple, or as a family unit, or as an extended family unit across grandparent, parent, and child? So really, they don't think about customers as families. We think there is a huge opportunity. I mean, Beanstalk and the Junior ISA is kind of the first entry point into serving families as a unit, as opposed to individuals and customers. We think there is a huge opportunity in financial services. To look across the generations, I mean, you know, it's an inverted pyramid: wealth and assets uh, existing up at the the sixty-five and plus, and and you know, debt and and and, and difficulties kind of as you go down the age, as you go down the age profile. But they are families; they want to help their children and their grandchildren. They want to make sure that they're making better decisions in terms of their own planning, pensions, inheritance, tax, wills. Uh, you know, mortgages that help you leverage wealth, uh, you know, at the grandparents' age to help children. So there's lots of opportunities to, if you can engage families, find products and find ways to help them make better decisions for themselves and their children, their grandchildren, we think that's a massive opportunity. To be honest, the Beanstalk proposition is our first entry point into solving border financial problems for families completely agree that's 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 a really fascinating insight there i'd love to talk to you a little bit more about how you've pushed the boundaries and innovated in family and children's banking how has open banking and open finance sort of changed the landscape of family finances for us we've we've integrated open banking in two specific ways one was the roundup in invest your spare change where they spoke about so it's it's the aisp account view um, you know, you can link it to your credit card, your debit card, spending card, have your transaction show up, and then round up those pennies into pulling to the account. Um, the other is um, the, the the payment side, uh, where we can take instant payments from your bank into your children's savings accounts, and they're both very good. I mean, one of the things I think that we're all conscious of, especially the younger generation, is we want things to be instant. Yeah. We, we, Sitting, sitting around waiting for a direct debit payment to process and, and kind of coming, it's like, oh, boy. So where possible, we, we're trying to direct people to like, want to send the top object account. 
use the instant method. It's cheaper and it's faster, it's quicker, and it's, it's more it's more robust. So I think really open banking is going to to us. It's it's about convenience, getting people's, um, getting them from the I want to make a top up to the top ups made a lot quicker. Um, the um, the roundup stuff is is kind of fun. I think I mean for me it's like a, kind of interesting to see the pennies and as they contribute to kids accounts. Um, there are more opportunities down the line that we could exploit um, that it's powerful information about a person's financial state to help them kind of think about, hey, now, you know, the nudge stuff around, hey, it looks like you're spending a little bit less this month. Do you want to sweep a little bit more into consent? We've not implemented those kind of strategies yet, but it's clearly an opportunity down the line. I completely agree again on the uh, the instant banking side of things as well, because like you say, the pendant, a lot of pendant transactions and direct debits can add more stress and more anxiety when it comes to finances. If you just, you don't quite know how and when things are going to get taken out or when you need certain money for certain things. I'm not sure how long direct debits have got left to live and there'll be recurring recurring um, PISP payments available soon. I think uh, you know, all these things, the first situation may not be may not be as good as the final one that we end up with but but yeah the, just the cost and, and and time involved with with direct debits and backs is probably something that's yeah for the for the rubbish being seen and that sort of leads quite nicely into what i had next so in terms of like regulation how has the regulator sort of played much of a role in this we've always been a regulated business so before we before we launched the junior ice and beanstalk we had the cashback side of the business, so you know, shopping at retailers and we'll use it to top up any child savings account you nominate. And um, back when we launched, there was a legacy product in the UK called the Child Trust Fund. So every child born between 2001 and 2011 was given a voucher, £200 voucher from the government to open one of these things called the Child Trust Fund. It was a way to encourage parents to do long-term investment. So we worked with many of the larger child trust fund providers as a neat way to kind of put a bit of extra money into kids' accounts. In order to do that, we always had to be regulated. We needed some extra permissions when we wanted to build our own junior ISA product, um, which we got. Frankly, in terms of kind of regulation point of view, we have a simple product. It's a you know, long-term investment account. It's it's not a um, it's not a particularly difficult thing. The question would be down the line if we wanted to stray more into say advice coaching and other things we need to go and get more permissions for that but that depends on where we want to take the product in the future speaking of how you've been taking the product in the future with with new features that you've been implementing how important has testing and prototyping or experimentation been with those features some of the you know the the, the beanstalk apps kind of been alive for about a couple of years now and some of the, the the developments that we've made were you know things that we needed to you know do with quickly kind of in like it's a speed of getting the app out there there was things that we already knew we got to do this you know we got to do these developments so some of them were just things that were always going to get um tidied up as we as we build the product along. some of the developments that we're making now um on beanstalk are really based off feedback that we've been getting from uh the first couple of years worth of customers so we obviously have the donor functionality where you can invite your grandparent or your spouse to be linked to your child but one of the biggest feedback we got was they say there's two parents and they both want equal visibility uh, on the account now normally for a junior i so you have one registered contact which is one of the parents and there's still only going to be one registered contact that we report to hmrc 
but you may want your your spouse. You may have set up the the beanstalk account, but you want your spouse to be able to see not just their contributions, but the full value of the account. So we're kind of setting up a permissions based um, profiles where I might want Josh to be invited as a you know as a friendly uncle, but I don't want you to see the full account, just the value of your contributions. So that my wife will want her to have full access and permission. So that's one thing that's kind of come out from the user base. Um, I will be um, will, will, will be in the process of developing. Um, the other is often it's the grandparents that kind of want to initiate the opening of the JISA, um, but it has to be done by someone who's got uh, in the legal guardian for the child. So we're building a route where the grandparent can reapply for the for the kids' GDI. So set the child up, say they want to make a contribution, a regular on top of. And then have that kind of pre-packaged account sent off to the parent and say, hey, look, so-and-so is kind of wanting to open a junior ISO. You need to complete the account versus the legal guardian. And then once it's set up by the, the legal guardian, have everything kind of automatically linked up, have the have the contribution taken by the grandparent and the ISO good to go. And that's often because, you know, again, parents are busy. You know, they're not they're not sitting there thinking, hey, let, let, let's open the junior ISO straight away. But the grandparents with a little bit more experience under the belt thinking, hey, now's the right time to do it. So that's the uh, those are the two kind of immediate immediate um, developments that we're doing. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast. For live sessions of advice mentor, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. I was thinking about so the intent and some of these new features. Have you seen a gap of how people, how you think people will actually use your service versus how they actually do use it? Not massively, actually. There's not been a, a, a big surprise. Um, we obviously have a whole bunch of tools where parents can top up the account in many ways so we talk about regulars one-off top-ups roundups cashback donors and gift links and so i would say you know there's not been a, a, a major surprise in terms of you know what's being um taken up and being used and what's proven popular the, the donor and the family stuff is clearly unique and it's one of our one of our, our our usbs and that is very popular um so i wouldn't say that there's been any major surprise in oh, why are people doing white people doing this or that there's this there's been one or two that i think there's probably more operational based so to one of the wrinkles with a junior iso is a child's only allowed one stocks to share junior iso or child trust fund or one cash junior iso so if you're opening a beanstalk account and you've already got another um to junior ISA, we have to transfer it across and that requires a paper form to be signed and returned to us so that's the that's the kind of um, you know, the, the unfortunately still paper-based bit of the process is moving it in an existing account. Although increasingly, you know, we're working with the uh, with the competition to find easier ways so that we can kind of grab, grab those customers across as they come to us and, and try to do things electronically. Um, we see one of the, I wouldn't say again in this area, very surprising, but, you know, anything that touches paper post, free post, and pens and printers is, you know, clearly not ideal. That's not what we want to be doing. But unfortunately, you know, still many of the uh, of the older child trust fund providers out there insist on getting wet signatures on papers being sent to them before transfers can be authorized. So it's less a, and of course they would, right? And it, so it's less a customer thing and more a, 
oh, the incumbents, uh, the incumbents are, you know, um, being being slow and lethargic when it comes to to, to dealing with transfers. You know, big surprise. Well, no, that, that, that's by all means a good sign. Then, if there's if there's only what you say wrinkles in terms of uh, what you're expecting versus what actually happens. And yeah, the the, the I completely agree again with the paper side of things. It just it's just another element that's sort of bogged down and and past, and past practices rather than looking forward for change. The larger incumbents in this space, the, the old child trust fund providers who now are thinking GISs, they they could, their businesses kind of grew out of the fact that the government was giving every child this this two hundred pound voucher, um, and and you kind of depending on how you you, you analyze the sketchy stats that were available at the time. 40 to 50 percent of parents were going on to make additional contributions beyond the initial government contribution and so we kind of and that and then that got scrapped and it got replaced with the optional junior isa and only 10 or 12 percent of kids are having g isis set up so you go from a situation where the barriers are albeit artificially removed by the government force feeding every child in the cow with initial contribution 50 percent of parents are going to be engaged with that and make more top-ups scratch that let the let the market kind of you know, provide the solution to the people. Only about ten or twelve percent of, of parents are opening up junior ice for the kids, and within that, two thirds of them are the cash product, which is not a sensible thing to do for eighteen years. So it's really an opportunity, which is like, okay, you know, the more parents will do the right thing if the barriers are removed for them. Now we're not going to be sitting here giving everyone two hundred fifty quid to read the rest, but we can do that through making it app based, making it a really easy experience, talking about all the kind of tools that we've given, so it's not just. They feel the burden is on them to, to, to contribute to the camp, but they can share it with their families. That's that's the kind of insight, which is parents do want to do this and will do it if it's made easier for them to do it, if it's made a no-blame to do it. I've got one last question for you now, sort of main body of questions before it gets to the quickfire, which I'll tell you about in a bit. How did you sort of cultivate your insight in family banking? Uh, what advice would you give to others to become an expert in, in, in that field? Have exposure to your customers right and if they are if they're going to parents or grandparents we 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 had that already through the kid start side of the business the cashback side of the business where we had customers who were parents with young children motivated to to, to save for them um speaking to them researching them uh focus groups one-on-one sessions um you know I, there's nothing that's going to replace i think getting an understanding of the pain points that they talk about when it comes to why they did or did not set up a long-term savings account for their child. Uh, I always remember we did a um, uh, we did a kind of coffee session where we brought, brought some customers in to a play center, had the kids looked after in the soft play center, and then kind of really get the, the parents on their own with a cup of coffee and kind of really talk to them about what's going on. And it was my colleague, colleague and co-founder um, who was speaking to um, you know, a, 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 a mom, I think she was on maternity leave. She was an accountant. She had a cash junior ISA for her child, who was a toddler. And we're kind of going, wow. So, you know, what, why did you want to, why did you want to save in the long term in a cash product? Well, yeah, it's my child's money. I'm, I'm really concerned. And it's like, okay, do you have a pension? I'll have a pension. Is that invested or is that kept in cash? Oh no, that's invested. Well, why is your pension invested, but your child's money kept in cash? Well, because I've got a long time, you know, before I retire. And you're always kind of walking, walking slowly walking them forward to the conclusion. Right. And so, you know, you've got a long time until your child turns 18, you know, you're missing out. And so you can kind of see the penny drop. And you, it, you will miss out on, on some of that stuff, I think, by just kind of chucking out surveys or qualitative surveys. You know, you're going to miss the 
miss some of the insights around um, uh, what are the problems and what are the concerns that parents have with these these type of things. So I think nothing beats uh, talking to as many um, as families you want to you want to serve, talking to as many families as possible, and then really kind of you know, talk is great, but then get your product out there and see what actually happens, um, and see how you see you know. Test test the messaging and, and and test the proposition. I really really like the idea. I mean, it's 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 really deceptively simple. The idea of just you know talking to your customers, but obviously it's often overlooked for for the for the option of surveys, and you you forget that it lacks that interactive element, and also people have a habit of either giving incomplete information when they're not challenged or not discussing it, or perhaps not giving the right information at all. Yeah, surveys might be good once you've kind of got you know the real. In some of you've drawn out some insights from actual face-to-face interactions with people, then I would say, okay, let's, we've got a hypothesis, you know, let, let's say, you know, and then you can kind of go out and ground that out. But I think I've, I've, I've never, we've never done a, a survey that has given us a powerful insight as a 20 minute or 10 minute conversation with a, with a, with a customer or prospective customer. And that's a wonderful place to leave it for now in terms of the main questions, but we're going to go into the quick fires that I hit it on for. Where do you go for inspiration for your day job and to feed your creative brain? My kind of main hobby is, is music. I used to be in a band. Um, still are on paper, um, but but we kind of we're doing a lot less gigging as as as, as middle aged guys now, and as more more kind of you know beyond bit of licensing recording. So I think that, that for inspiration, I think that can just put you in a in the right frame of mind to be creative, not just. As in musically, but also kind of have that rub off in terms of in terms of work. So getting getting in that flow state of writing, recording music with friends, I think is is that's what I do. That's brilliant, and I'm also extremely jealous because I've always loved music. I've always wanted to be a part of some sort of musical act, and I've just got no talent. <laughs> Didn't stop me. <laughs> what kind of a what kind of music is it that you? Well, make? we we were in a um, kind of a, a, a slightly. I wouldn't call it punk, but kind of, you know, uh, guitar, loud, noisy, punk thing. We were doing all the sweaty pub circuits around North London about 20 years ago. So uh, it was a lot of fun, but just, uh, you know, now we've got to be a little bit more um, age appropriate. So just doing home-based recording advice. Awesome. Could you describe your desk for our audience? It doesn't have to be a desk. Your office looks lovely as well. So the, my, it's my home desk, the office desk. I'm messy. Uh, not going to deny that. So all of the junk has been put out of out of view so we've got uh tissues scraps of paper um coffee cups um and uh all all kinds of paraphernalia to uh to uh so my my desk is a messy desk um but but i will do, uh, once once in a while i will empty every single item from it uh bleach the hell out of it and um and um start afresh how would you describe your leadership style I was having a chat about this with someone the other day and um I can't remember what the terminology was, but 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 he told told me it. it's like a, a servant servant mindset. Uh, so really, we're, we're a small team as well. You know, it's that um, ten of us with some kind of part time and, and external resource. So I really see my job to help the people in our team do their jobs. Um, so often I feel like I'm working for them the more way around, which is exactly how I how I like it. So helping the it's good. It's good that we have skills that are complementary as well. So you know, the worst thing could be someone that knows exactly how to do what you're doing and then tell you why you're doing it wrong, as opposed to you're good at this, I'm good at that. You play to your strengths and play to my strengths. And I very much like 
the idea of um, kind of serving them and doing the bits that I'm good at them and letting them do the bits that they're good at. Um, uh, so if that's a style of leadership, I think it's the, the kind of be there for them to um, to help them shine. What was the first work thing that you were really proud of? Oh, it's probably going back a long way. At the start of my career, I was working for Capsa One, the credit card company up in Nottingham. And we um, uh, had a small project team to, to set a new credit policy for their um, cards business in the UK. And, you know, we had a statistician and, and me and the team, and we, we kind of came up with a, a pretty new way of working out who you want to accept and what credit line you want to give them. And that was um, something I was proud of because it was something that hadn't been done before in Capital One, and they were already kind of doing things that hadn't been done before uh, in the consumer finance space. So um, probably, probably that actually. And you've given a lot of really great advice over this past half hour, but what is some of the best advice that you've ever been given yourself? I wouldn't say this is kind of advice, but kind of just seeing and seeing it, seeing the the, the behaviour, which is. You don't have to react to everything. You don't have to have an opinion on everything. And some things are best ignored. Um, so uh, for your own kind of clarity and insanity, um, I think it's trying to maintain a maintain an even keel, maintain a balance, um, especially if things are going wrong around you, which you never think they do. There's always, there's always firefighting. Um, to, be, to be kind of calm um, and take your time when it comes to working out what the best thing to do is that leads us quite nicely into our final question which is a question we ask everybody um it's all about trademark question on a scale of one to ten ten being the most how weird are you jen i heard this question uh on on your other on your other podcast and i i think everybody is is weird you just don't know them well enough <laughs> um so it almost kind of so I'd say we're, we're all weird, and so this hit the average five, right? Although I'm sure if you kind of talk to some other people, they'd say I've got some weird weird traits. My kids would say I'm very weird. Um, I think I think it just comes to a case of you don't know people well enough. So take that person that you think who's the least. Who do you think is the least weird person, Josh? Like who would that person be? And then look at it and say I should probably spend some time with them. Uh, spend some time with them in a in a comfortable environment or a stressful environment, and the weirdness will will seep through, and you'll see it. So, <laughs> um, I think we're all weird to an extent, and um, I think that's great. I think that's what makes people interesting once you get to know them. Well, that's a great place to leave it. So, thank you so much for your time, Jim. I really, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, Josh. So concludes another episode of Label Sessions Presents. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice. And of course, start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com.